Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Today, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. want to welcome all of those watching online as well. And we are in this series called At the Movies. Uh, we're taking a little bit of a detour today in, in a sense, but we're continuing in the book of Psalms in the Bible. We, we did a, a series before this where we really looked at some of the deep uh, philosophical, theological issues, and we wanted in this series really to touch down even more so to everyday life. And today what we're going to do is look at Psalm 15 in its entirety, but we're going to connect it to uh, how we live our lives, and we're going to focus in on dads and fathers today, just like on Mother's Day we do that for moms, although this will apply uh, to all of us. Now, one of the things that uh, has happened uh, pretty recently for me is my daughters uh, who have informed me that I'm doing some things that are just uncool. Uh, and I said that our first service uh, this morning, and someone said, your clothes? <laughs> and I said, no, and we'll, we'll, we'll miss that person from our church. The, uh, uh, it's, my, my daughters tell me that I now tell dad jokes. You know what dad jokes are? They are bad jokes. Uh, and that's not going to keep me from telling you a couple of them. Uh, uh, here's one. Uh, I had a neck brace fitted years ago. I've never looked back since. <laughs> okay. How do you make a Kleenex dance? You put a little boogie in it. You want one more? It doesn't matter. I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, why can't you hear a psychiatrist using the bathroom? Because the pee is silent. I'm going to close in prayer. Anyway, uh, so uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun uh, today as well. Uh, I remember uh, when I first took care of my kids, when I parented without my wife, and uh, the funny thing happened, moms and dads parent differently. And in fact, uh, we have some examples of that, some dads parenting without their wives around. Here's one example uh, that we have right here. Yeah, that's great. Uh, here's another example. Now, now, now this one you're going to have to look at a little bit more. Uh, this next one, there's a child. Okay, now every service I have had, uh, usually a lot of women going, oh, and I've had some dads going, not a bad idea. Uh, now, what if you have a child that tries to get away from you? Here's what you do. And if you're missing a hair tie, then we always have this available uh, to us. 
Well, uh, Father's Day is a great day to honor uh, dads in particular, uh, men in general. It, Father's Day came late in our society. It actually came from the state of Washington. In uh, 1909, uh, Sonora Dodd was at a Mother's Day service, and she realized there wasn't anything to honor dads. She had been raised uh, by her dad. He had six kids that he raised alone. He had been a war veteran. And the next year, uh, she petitioned to the president. We had Father's Day, which is uh, the third Sunday in June each year, much to the applause of the beef, bacon, and necktie industries. And it's a day where we honor dads. Here's something that's going to be a little different this year, and I think because we live in a different time. It, we're going to look at the Bible, but probably we need uh, somewhat of a cultural corrective uh, when it comes to how we view uh, dads, men, and masculinity. Uh, probably something I wouldn't have uh, talked about uh, 20 years ago. As I think about uh, Father's Day, I think of my own dad. And it was one of those mixed bags, honestly. My, my parents uh, had both been married and divorced. My mom eight times, my dad four times. And so uh, it was chaotic. Uh, my dad uh, didn't really learn a lot even from his parents how to, how to be a dad. He, he was a great guy. He was a, a serial entrepreneur, businessman. I know, hard to believe. For a Jewish man, and that sort of, uh, but but he was a, a great guy in many ways. But he struggled sometimes with how to show up as a dad. In fact, I remember uh, on Saturday mornings because my parents were divorced, he would take me uh, to uh, the B and I in Tacoma. I know we have a lot of people who aren't from this area. Uh, if you're if you're not, Tacoma is sort of like the Paris of America. Uh, and so uh, it, it would, so we were, we would be in uh, Tacoma at the BNI, which is basically a big swap meet with a gorilla in the middle of it, not even kidding. And my dad would be there with a lot of the other dads who had been divorced. And, and you think about that, and, and people would say, oh, was that hard? Honestly, those were some of my best memories. My dad, now, it's not what you'd put on Instagram today. Hey, we're going to the swap meet with a gorilla in the middle of it. But he did his very best. And somehow, his very best, honestly, had an impact, even though it was imperfect. And so, for dads, dads, this is going to be different this year. I talked about how to be a good kid in previous years to, uh, to your, when you're an adult. I am talking to dads and the challenge before us today. Know that God will use your effort, your imperfect effort, to do extraordinary things, if you will, and we talked about this for the last three months, if you will lean in. If you stay neutral or lean away, God can't do a lot with that. But if you lean in, God will do amazing things. Well, why are dads so important? Uh, and again, we wouldn't have probably talked about this 20 years ago. Uh, number one, positive masculinity. Uh, now, in our society, there's been a lot written uh, about toxic masculinity, and, and there's some truth to that. The problem is, is there's been no alternative presented. And, and this is where culture and science differ. I'm not talking culture in the... I'm talking 
science and the Bible would affirm this as well. If you look at the research around this from uh, studies that are sociological and psychological, 82% of the studies on father involvement and child well-being published since 1980 found significant associations between positive father involvement and child well-being. In an analysis of 100 studies on parent-child relationships, it was found having a loving and nurturing father was as important for a child's health and happiness as having a loving and nurturing mother. Now, you might be here and you're a single mom and say, oh, well, is there no hope? No, God can fill in the gap. I know in my own life there were, there were mentors, there were male figures who God used. But this is what our science tells us. So there's positive masculinity. And masculinity, by the way, is a good thing. It's actually psychologically necessary for us to have a good image of masculinity in our society. We're not all the same. Men and women are different. God created it that way. And there's a completeness when we have uh, this coming together, when the, we talked about femininity uh, on Mother's Day, but masculinity is also important as well. And again, this is where we need an adjustment to the cultural narrative. Uh, secondly, dads are important for active play. Now, I came across this. This is, this is actually from a psychiatrist, uh, Kyle Pruitt. He's a child psychiatrist, and uh, I, I found this funny what he writes. He says, a father's more active play style and comparatively slower response to a toddler or infant experiencing frustration serve to provide problem-solving competencies and independence in the child. This means they learn to fend for themselves. I thought I was being a bad dad. Evidently, I'm an awesome parent. Uh, emotional preparation. In a 26-year study... Researchers found that the number one factor in developing empathy in children is father involvement. Fathers spending regular time with their children translated into them becoming more compassionate adults. And fourth, there's spiritual example. And this really intersects all of these other areas, and this is what I'm going to uh, look at today where we can be a spiritual example and influence in the lives of our kids. Now, uh, I, I know Timberlake may, maybe is a little bit different because we do have lots of men involved uh, at our church. But oftentimes, there's, you, you find maybe in broader culture where it's, you know, that's sort of my wife's thing. I'm not a spiritual leader. And my question is, why? You can be today. Oftentimes we say, I'm not good at that, then become good at that. See, we can lean in and we can make a difference. And it's not perfection, it's our leaning in, it's our intention and our action. David, who wrote the 15th Psalm, he was a guy who uh, was great in many ways, known as a man, God after, uh, a man after God's own heart, but he had messed up. He had a troubled marriage, and if you read the Bible, it was both their fault. He had uh, some addictive behavior when it came to his sexuality. He had failed sometimes as a leader. He had succeeded at other times. And God used this imperfect person to have an incredible impact. And so if you're waiting to become perfect, that's not going to happen. 
But if you're willing, God will use you. Well, what if I'm not willing? God won't use you. So the question is, am I willing to do that? Psalm 15 is much like the Sermon on the Mount, is it's aspirational. It describes not something that we will attain this side of heaven, but something that we are to shoot for. And David, even though he had gone through struggles, even though he failed, he said, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. We read this. It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does, not, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. And that we're given these examples, these characteristics of not only a life that honors God, but a life that has an impact. And you might be here and say, well, I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm not a dad or don't ever intend to be. Well, this is really written to everyone. This is not actually written to fathers, even though it was written by a father. But I want to apply it uh, particularly into five actions that we can take uh, in being a better dad. Now, as you look at this, this is for you to evaluate. Uh, this is not, you know, wives, if you're here with your husband, I encourage you, don't say, oh, there's five actions. Don't go home and say, you know what, you're doing a really good job on two of those, but three of those you really should work on. That will not make a good Father's Day. And we have a rule around here, we do not should on people. Uh, we, we don't tell them what they should do, we let them, I said should, we let them hear from God and take action accordingly. So what does that mean? What does that look like? What do we find in the scripture? Number one, stay actively engaged. Uh, I, I think this is honestly a challenge. It's not ill intent uh, for dads or, or parents in general. It, it says this, who speaks the truth from their heart. It means that my whole heart, my whole being is in this. Uh, Andy Stanley, who I quoted a couple weeks ago, he, he wrote this. He said, don't give up what is unique to you for something someone else one day will do. See, the reality is your job, and I hope you do well at work. We talk a lot about succeeding at work. But someday someone else is going to have your job. Someone, someday someone else is going to do a lot of what you do. But being a parent to your kids is what is unique to you. And we're not always going to get it right. I, I didn't, unfortunately, have the examples uh, growing up. My dad had passed away, and, and, and there were some dynamics he struggled with as well. And so I didn't know uh, how to get this right. Uh, when, when I would come home, my wife and I, we made a decision uh, when we had kids. My wife had a great uh, career uh, was actually making three times as much as I made, a fact that she's only reminded me of for 26 years. And uh, in, in that, she was doing really well, but really wanted to stay home with our daughters. And so we made that decision that that would happen. So I thought, well, she's staying home, and I'm going uh, to work. And I know you think I just work on the weekends, but actually there's other stuff that happens during the week. And, and I'm working for God, so it's especially important. And so I would uh, come home, and I would just go straight for 
the television, sit down, and the kids would be playing or crying, and the house would be messy. And I got to tell you, that did not go over very well. And so what happened is uh, I had some mentors who spoke into my life, and one of it was give the best hour of your day to your family. And so I started doing this as I would come home, and I would, first thing, I would see if anything needed to be done. I'd do dishes. I'd play with the kids. And about 40 minutes into it, my wife would hear from the Holy Spirit of God and say, why don't you sit down and watch TV? And, uh, and it was one of those things. It wasn't a lot. But when I learned, when I changed my behavior, it helped my family. And so I would ask you this question, where would you change your behavior? Doesn't mean you're, I'm not saying you're a bad person or anything like that. But there are actions that can translate into better relationship with our spouses, with our kids. Really with anyone when we stay actively engage your greatest contribution may not be something you do but someone you raise and i think when we understand that we lean in uh, number two be verbally uh, constructive uh, this is a hard one uh, in in my family growing up we you know sarcasm was our love language uh, that we spoke and so it, it it was hard and there were many negative words negative words have power but positive words have power uh, as well. You can remember those words that have shaped you. Some of them were words of encouragement. Some were words that were hurtful. And maybe you've been reacting against it your whole life. Uh, when uh, my kids were little, one time my wife went out of town, and uh, I can't remember the whole situation that was going on. And it was with one of my daughters was doing something that was a little dangerous. And I said something that I, I'd been trying to avoid because I heard this so much growing up. And I said, don't do that. That's stupid. And I couldn't even believe what came out of my mouth. And she just looked at me and tears just poured out of her eyes. And she goes, Daddy, I'm not stupid. And then, you know, it was like, okay, how do you, I just know the impact those words can have and how they can just, really shape a destiny and so we talked and tried to talk through it and prayed through it and later on you know she went up to bed and things were a little calmer and, and just really did business with God about that and just saying God I know it would take a miracle but is there any way you can you can undo that damage that I just did and it was late that night I, I went to bed and as I went to bed uh, on my nightstand there was, uh, on a piece of paper, there was a note written in crayon. And it said, best dad in the whole wide world. And, and do you know why I wrote myself that note? <laughs> Sometimes you just need to be encouraged. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> okay, come on back, come on back. The, have you ever had someone see something in you that's not true of you yet, but you want to be true of you? See, that was not me, but that's who I aspired to be. That's why you can live your life without God. And, and, and you know, I, I hope you have a great life. But there's some things that you're going to only hear from God. 
Because what you're going to hear, even especially in our current culture, is your failures are final and fatal. And God says, there is, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need a correction to the narrative. It'll change how you approach life. It'll, the difference between trying and saying, I'm not going to try anymore, is what God says about you. I, I think it's no mistake that you find in the scripture, when Jesus, before he said anything, or before he taught anything, before he performed a miracle, first thing, he, he's getting baptized, one of his first steps of obedience, still a step that it's, it says every believer should take without exception. And as he comes out of the water, there's a voice from heaven. And by the way, there's not a lot of that in the Bible. And the voice from heaven is God the Father says, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I bet for many of us, if we looked at how we've related to other people, the anger that we have in us, it's because we haven't grasped that reality yet. And when you will let God speak to you, it'll change your family, it'll change your marriage, it'll change your failures. It says, Psalm 15, 3, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others. There's something countercultural with saying, you know what, I'm not going to see the worst in you, I'm going to see the best in you, because that's what Jesus has done for me. See, he acknowledges your sin. But he said, there's a way out, there's forgiveness, there's hope, if you will receive it. Number three is choose humble leadership. Choose humble leadership. Now, this is where we sometimes, again... Uh, people say, well, you know, leadership, isn't that all about power and manipulation? No, no, we, it's not necessarily at all. Leadership is essential. Think about it this way. No disease would ever be cured. No war would ever end. No family would ever be healed without leadership. Leadership is essential. It's just how are you leveraging that? And so I believe both women and men, and men you are called to, to, to lead and lead in the way of Jesus. Jesus said this, though. He said, the meek will inherit the earth. And we hear humble and meek, and we're like, that doesn't sound like leadership at all. Like, if you played football, it's not, your coach didn't say, hey, go out there, and I really want you to give that guy a hug. No, he, he said, go get him. There, it's power under control. It's saying because, in fact, you ever see a person who's always spouting it off and always acting up and always has to say something? And if that's you too, I mean, that's okay. Just say, hey, that's an area where God needs to work. That doesn't come from a place of strength. It usually comes from a place of fear and insecurity. Humble leadership is that which honors God. Psalm 15, 4, it says, who... Uh, who despises a vile person, doesn't want to go that way, doesn't want to go the way, but honors those who fear the Lord. Every family, every corporation needs humble leadership. See, part of that humility, though, is who am I going to learn from? 
every person, every, and men and women, every, everyone needs a mentor. Who speaks into your life? And, I, and this is a test if you have someone speak into your life. Who can say something to you that you don't like and you will still allow them to be in relationship with you? Oftentimes, oh, I allow people to speak. Yeah, as long as they're uh, applauding your current behavior. But it says in the Bible that the, the wounds of a friend are faithful. Someone who can say something and say, man, I, I don't like what you said, but I understand that's probably true, and I want to change. I want to become that person who God has called me to be. And don't believe the lie, it's too late. I, you know, well, you know, my kids are grown. Are, are, they, are they still with you? Are they still alive? It's not too late. I've seen, especially here at Timberlake, we see a lot of people in their adult years come to faith in Jesus. I've seen people whose kids are out of the house and married, and their fathers are having a powerful, a powerful spiritual impact because they're saying, you know, I'm going to take what influence I have left and help my kids know the love of God. Number four, it's keeping hard commitments. That's part of this. It says in Psalm 15, who keeps their oath even when it hurts. Now, this, this, you might be here and say, well, you know, Ben, uh, I, I've already had a lot of failure. Maybe you have marriage and it ended. Well, that, that ended. But there's a new season. I'm talking about the season that you're leaning into. Where you say, even though it's difficult, and we'll hear people say, well, you know, my heart tells me something. Well, you know what the Bible says? A heart can be deceitful among all things. If I listened to my heart, I would be married to either Cindy Brady or Wonder Woman right now. <laughs> the heart is, doesn't always guide us. Sometimes we need objective truth. Hard truth that actually heals and restores. Jesus puts it this way. He says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Where you say, you know what? I'm going to be there for my family. I'm going to obey what I already know. And you know what happens when we do that? We set an example. And we have a life that honors God. Number five, develop compassion and grace. When we develop compassion and grace, we, we really set an atmosphere in a home. Proverbs 29, 7, it says, Righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Saying that, that I'm going to have the heart that Jesus has for people who are in my realm of influence. And you might say, well, Ben, you know, these things that you talked about, humble leadership. I've been, you know, sort of an angry leader. You talk about compassion, and, and that's not been my strong suit. Here's the reality, is if you're stepping towards that, it will change your family. Your family does not want perfection. They just want you, whether they know it or not, to follow God in such a way where it brings life and health and hope and healing. The Apostle Paul, who again, man, if anyone... Uh, got it wrong. He got it wrong many, many times. He says this uh, in uh, Philippians 3.12. He says, I, 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 not that I've already obtained all this or have 
already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As we seek to be the people God's called us to be, the men that God's called us to be, the dads that God's called us to be, it's saying, God, what do you say and how can my life align with that more today? What decisions am I going to make? That's not that you're earning God's favor. That comes freely through the blood of Jesus Christ. But we trust God and say, I want to have that impact Yes, for eternity, but even right now. A friend of mine. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.